Studios, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we're playing Flying Circus, which is a game I recorded live from Breakout Con. One of my highlights for that show was playing Flying Circus. For those that don't know, Flying Circus is a Powered by the Apocalypse-inspired role-playing system about planes. Picture World War I-era propeller-powered flying machines, being the driving force of a post-civilization fantasy setting. And at the center of it all are fearless, sometimes reckless pilots. For this game, Erica Chapel was inspired by plane-based systems like Night Witches, but she focused her attention mostly on the drama in the air. Flying Circus has a robust and tactical flight-based combat system that includes a play sheet that looks like a flight deck. And she manages to do this without losing any of the drama-based mechanics that make Powered by the Apocalypse games work. Flying Circus has already funded on Kickstarter. In fact, it's already hit several stretch goals, including the Blimpleggers expansion, which is being done in partnership with our very own System Mastery podcast. If you like Miyazaki-inspired tales of aerial valor like Pocoroso or Nausicaa, or you're just a big fan of the System Mastery podcast and want to whiz around with the cheese dudes in the sky, check out Flying Circus. Before we get to that, I want to thank everyone who came out to see me during Breakout. It was so nice meeting all of you. Breakout was really a special little con, and I'm so glad I got to attend. Coming up this week on the One Shot Twitch stream, we have a new episode of A Woman with Hollow Eyes this Wednesday at 7.30pm Central Time. If you're still behind, you can check out all of our previous episodes on our YouTube page. Finally, before we get to the show, I want to thank our backers on Patreon. Although Kat and I still need to get together to record our next round of backer thank yous, we of course always appreciate your support for the show. If you are a dice level backer, I have some unfortunate news. While I packed up all of your dice and sent them off to our distributor, they so far have not been able to locate my package. At this point, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to find it. What I am doing is going to Chessex to order another batch of dice that I will hand pack and send to the distributor as soon as they get in. Usually, Chessex takes about eight weeks to deliver dice. I'm going to see if we can rush that, if at all possible. I'm so sorry that this happened, but I'm working to correct it as soon as possible. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, this week we are going to be playing Flying Circus, which is, the, I mean, the pitch that I had in my head after I heard the original pitch is like Pocoroso style game is about uh, people who fly planes in sort of a fantasy world uh, where, you know, flying planes is one of the most important things. And we are recording this live at Breakout Con. Um, recording this live is is definitely not a thing. Um, but uh, for, l- l- let's meet our party for this week. Uh, first up, Alexia, thank you for joining us. I'm really, really happy to be here. Uh, do you have any projects that you would like to promote? Anything you would like people to be aware of? I mean, Breakout is pretty great. Uh, I'm one of the assistant organizers for the convention. Um, otherwise, nothing really comes to mind. Yeah, I, I mean, Breakout's getting off to a pretty great start uh, for me this year because I get to be here playing this game. Um, so I am enjoying myself. Uh, but if you're interested in Breakout, uh, head to uh, breakoutcon.com. I think that's it. I'm not yeah. sure where the website is off the top of my head. Or just just look it up on Twitter because uh, I, I definitely know it's BreakoutCon on Twitter. Um, yeah, really great little convention in Toronto. Let's move on to somebody who's been a good friend to me for years and years, but I believe this is the first time that we're having you on the show. Rob, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, James. It's really great to be here. I'm very excited. And, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. Do you have anything that you just want to drop a line, want to make people aware of? Uh, this is this is a great time to do that. Yeah, actually, uh, I'd like to kind of give a shout out and an endorsement to uh, the Gauntlet RPG Ooh. Uh, podcast and community. And they're a great welcoming group of people. And they manage a uh, very inclusive online gaming arena uh, called Gauntlet Hangouts. And I encourage everybody to go check it out. You can get... Uh, all the information you want on that at gauntlet-rpg.com. Well, I, I think one-shot listeners uh, will feel very at home there. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, heroes. Um, I did have uh, my buddy Chris on Twitter jokingly asked for me to say something nice about him uh, on the air, even though he didn't have any projects to promote and would not be contributing to this recording at all. Chris is a great dude. I love Chris. Now, let's move on. To uh, our, our game master, uh, though it might be a different term in this game, uh, Erica, Erica Chapel. Hello, I'm Erica. Uh, I wrote this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For those in the audience who don't know, um, and I feel like my, quitch, my pitch was a little bit inadequate at the beginning, what is Flying Circus. Flying Circus is a game that kind of has like five pitches depending on the audience, but for one shot, it's a combination of like World War One flying ace stories, traditional role-playing adventure games, and sort of, you know, a, a, a Ghibli-esque attention to landscape and beautiful aircraft and stuff like that. It's a bit of a weird duck in that it is technically powered by the apocalypse, but has so much mutation and new ideas and new systems incorporated stacked on top of brutally hacked in that uh it it is really its own beast at this point well i feel like the the best powered by the apocalypse game sort of leave their own mark on on the format so i'm really excited listeners can't see but i have in front of me like a flight deck for me to uh track my uh airplanes various status so i i'm pretty excited about that and we were going to start off by actually making pilots for this game. Yep. You'll also notice that among the things, you have your altitude and airspeed indicator and mm-hmm. and uh, your fuel gauge and uh, sort of a, a telling you how your plane flies and all your stats and stuff. And uh, a little photo you can put a drawing of your sweetheart, <laughs> which is actually a pretty considerable game mechanic in this game. It looks so cool. <laughs> So uh, let's get started with character creation. So yeah. Everybody's got their archetypes, but we have to crunch through them. Okay. What, what is the first choice that we're making here, Erica? We're basically just going to go down the line. We're going to pick our character's name, their uh, first and last name, uh, their place of origin. It's all very Germanic because this is sort of a fantasy Germany. If Germany was like a continent all to itself and they didn't really know other continents existed. So you then go through the traditional like powered by the apocalypse, picking your appearance stuff. Um how you're dressed, that kind of thing. In most Powered by the Apocalypse games, you are like the battle babe or, you know, the gun lugger or the chosen or whatever. But in this one, this you are a fisher or a farmer. You are one of many people from this background, and this is a way of identifying your culture. So everything you don't pick, you can rest assured that somebody else in your culture has it. Pay attention to that stuff because that's how you know who you are. And then when we get to the bottom of it, we have some questions that you ask, answer about yourself. Uh, first, some some questions about your culture, and then some questions about your own personal history. Then you pick your stats. We pick what we start with, who we trust among the team, and we pick three moves. Unlike a lot of these games where you start with very few of your your moves, you are already an exemplary example of your culture's. Let's get going. Let's uh, pick that stuff, and we'll get to the questions. I think we should answer those out loud. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Zlig. <laughs> 
Yeah. Nice to meet you. I am Sleek. Yeah, the um there's male masculine names at the, the first and then the feminine names and then after the the paragraph break is the family names and I think I might have forgotten them for the soldier. So be Vaughn something. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, those are actually places of origin. Um You could name yourself after your place of origin. That's actually like encouraged in the book. Yeah, I think that's just common in the mountains like specifically for orphans. Nice. Uh, yeah, you like so the basic the pitch for each of your character classes. Uh, the fisher is you're from a isolated coastal enclave at the edge of the dark sea, which is the sea that rests in the middle of this this continent, and um, something foul lurks in that sea, and it whispers to the people who live on the edge. Um, so a foul is awfully judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the, the other part of that though is that you're actually just kind of a normal person like yeah you worship a dark god under the sea that demands some blood sacrifice every once in a while but it's just going to church for you on sunday <laughs> you know um it's an important part of your culture but you've got other stuff going on you're a person like anybody else even if you're a little bit pale and have gills <laughs> so then the farmer is sort of you live in one of the isolated farming communes of this world and um so you you're you're a natural pilot for whatever reason because you're Luke Skywalker. So you okay. learn you learn to fly by flying dusters or gliders or whatever your town had around, and you just happen to be very very good at it. And you enter the world sort of wide eyed, and and just you know learning everything about the the weird apocalypse that this place takes place in. And then the soldier lives in or came from a a mountain holdout of survivors of the last great war basically the main thing about this setting is that all the rural stuff has survived so there's all these wonderful beautiful like ghibli-esque landscapes and quiet little towns and you know cozy cottages and stuff but all the big cities that drove the industry that created these airplanes are gone they got filled with poison gas and horrible undead monsters so when that happened to the soldiers who were out in the field they banded together and retreated back to their forts and castles and are now like feudal lords. That's kind of where you're you're from. Very cool. Has everybody made their initial choices? Yep. yep. Okay. Rob, why don't you get us started off? Uh, who's who's your character? Uh, my character is the farmer, mm-hmm. or a farmer, and uh, his name is Vindel Moser, hailing from Offelwald. He is a man with a freckled face, a distracted gaze, a lanky body, bronzed skin, and he wears simple clothes. And Alexia? I'm playing the soldier. Her name is Ivana, uh, no last name, from Falkenhorst. And uh, she's a woman. She has like this huge burn scar on the left side of her face <laughs> and um, has a glass eye. Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, she has a calculating gaze, and she's fit. She has bronzed skin. She's wearing a uniform kind of devoid of insignia. Like, it looks really, really clean and pressed and practical, uh, but, like, all of the markings on it have been removed. There's no proof of rank or anything. Ooh. Nice. Mysterious. I love oh. it. <laughs> uh, and I am playing the Fisher. I am Zlieg Richter from Blutmore. 
He's a man with a gaunt face, intense gaze, uh, gray skin, and a long black raincoat. Um, I'm even going to go down to this character history here. He, he was taught to fly by the head priest of his village to aid in ritual. He left home because he was too restless, and he flies now to serve his dark masters. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to, the, uh, to your questions. All right. Well, Vindel grew up on a small farm, which uh, raised various root crops, but their real specialty was turnips. They're a little bit famous for it, if uh, I don't mind saying so myself. Everyone knows about the awful vault turnips. They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a good way? The, the best way. You know when you say something is sick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My great aunt Georgia uh, was a great hero in my family. And they were also a pilot and found the fertile land that my family farm was first, where my family farm was first established. And I hope to imitate them by, you know, flying my plane to finding a similarly hidden and protected area where we can establish a new farm. Mm. And the person that I left behind in town that I wish I could have taken with you is my boyfriend, Jürgen, who sadly does not cotton to the flying lifestyle, but I hope to turn him around on that. Oh, Jürgen. Um, and Alexia, let's, let's hear your character history here. All right. So um, are we doing character history or the questions? Go both. Okay, perfect. Oops, I forgot to answer my questions. Ah, we'll get to it. it. And I forgot to answer my character history. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what is the military insignia of uh, your holdout? It was an albatross, because the the soldiers from my regimental holdout, they're never really in their place on land, right? They're born to fly, and as such, the albatross, right? It's a bird that's basically useless on land. And I despise it just out of principle. Yeah. I'm not into anything from my homeland. Um, did you hold rank? I'm not sure what is an impressive rank for a pilot, but I want one. Captain. Captain is yeah. good. Yes. Uh, so I held the rank of uh, captain. How did I earn it? I was the best. Like, I worked hard and made it. Um, it wasn't like... I was naturally an ace. It was I trained hard enough to um, be better than all of my peers. How were you harshly punished when you stepped out of line? Well, there's this huge laser burn on my face. <laughs> yeah, that'd do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, what did I learn from it? A, a massive distress of authority figures. Yeah, mm. that'd do it. My character history. I was thought to fly by a bitter instructor teaching another class of children to go off and die. Um, I was raised in a military orphanage. So the ones that survived tended to be really good because it's flying is literally all we did. I left my home because I was too queer. And uh, I fly now so I may protect the weak. For Zlieg's questions, uh, how do the people of your village dress and act to enforce hierarchy? I think it's pretty common in our village to wear ceremonial leather masks that are squid masks. 
So everybody has this base leather mask and to denote rank, they have braided bits of leather that act as like different tentacles hanging off. So if somebody's got like a gigantic beard of like braided leather, you know, they uh, have a pretty high rank in society. And like there are children that are typically running around with like one or two hanging off their faces. Important question. Mm -hmm. Do you still have yours and do you still wear it? Yeah, it's a flight mask. It's it's not only because I, I, in my questions, uh, it, part of ritual is is flying. So I kind of feel like flying is something that everyone on this island does. So they are like flight masks, and they've got like those big goggles on them. Oh my um, god! And it's it. I I I do um like because like there are definitely like socializing events that that people remove it. Um, it's uh sort of you would wear a flight mask in situations uh where you would wear a tie in our society so like everybody has them uh, a lot of people have like i think mine is a hand-me-down from like my older brother who had a much bigger head than me um <laughs> but yeah, like er- everyone has one you, you definitely have seen people in them but like it's it's only during like uh church and stuff like that when it's like absolutely required. Oh, that's really cool. There's another there's another character class in this game, the survivor who also has a mask, but their whole character dynamic is about having worn the mask their whole life to survive a toxic environment Ooh. and now having to learn how to take it off around other people. Oh, that's very very cool. Um uh, so the, the next question is who is the first person that I lost at sea? And I think that was my mother. Um, I think uh, one of the most important ceremonies during like a kind of monsoon hurricane uh, nor'easter season, like certain uh, pilots have to just go out and fly among the clouds to appease the gods. And it's typical that sometimes people will be struck down during this and 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 my mother was definitely uh struck down and it's like a very honorable thing it's it's something that you know everybody in society sort of lauds anybody who's brave enough uh to do that um and my mother had like done a few runs of this uh before the the sea claimed her um but instead of deterring me uh from our religion or piloting you know it, it just made uh Zlieg want to get out there more one of the the bits about the the fisher's faith that is set for everybody is that they all believe that there is a city where the dead slumber mm-hmm. under the waves yeah okay cool so yeah i i just i i know she she was called to the city that's that's what happened and you know, I I loved her, and I want to join her someday. So that that's why I fly. And what is the name of your guardian patron? I chose Yolthuga. Um, Yolthuga is my patron, and that I have I have drawn a picture of Yolthuga uh, in the area where I'm supposed to keep a picture of my sweetheart. Um, <laughs> Uh, why does it look out for me? That is an interesting question. I think even though there is like sort of a squiddy, uh, creepy kind of undersea vibe to us, our place, like there are a lot of like images of angler fish and goblin sharks and, and squids in our culture. It is very much on the we have a loving, caring God uh, sort of society. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Mm -hmm. 
So may, may, may Yolthuga hug you with his many arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that are sprouting from his face. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, I'm already loving characters here. All right, so I believe you had a couple of questions about uh, your, your, your origins uh, right here. Yeah, but I did not do my history. Oh, so history it up. All right, so Vindel's history uh, was taught to fly by, and this was pretty easy, a family member to help tend the farm. This would be my great my great aunt, who was uh, also the family hero. I left my home because I was too ambitious. I really want to get out there and make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. I idolize my aunt that Join much. the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Teleport me off this rock. And... These shots are too precise for sand people. It must be Prussians. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over to our place for a turnip smoothie. It's going to be great. Oh, Christ. <laughs> They're awful. Oh, you you have a picture of a turnip painted on your plane, please, right? Because like, these character sheets don't have your nose art uh, <laughs> slots yet, but um, they will. And I fly now, so I may make my folks proud. Mm-hmm. What I the reason my aunt was such a hero is because she sort of you know gave the family a means to survive and flourish, and so I want to bring that to my family as well. And that's Vindel. Cool. So. The next thing we do is we pick our temperaments, which is really easy. It's just your your pluses and minuses. They're not super balanced out yet, so just go for it. <laughs> okay, so how do temperaments work? It's just a stat line that you pick. Oh, of course. Uh, but like, I see that in this game they're divided into sanguine, caloric, melancholic, oh, and phlegmatic. It's so. just to get like the old-timey vibe. Of, of course. Yeah. Uh, but so, I also have subcategories here uh, where we've got hard, keen, Yeah, so those are your dairy. actual stats. So the, the subcategories oh. just kind of like, this is the way that your 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 people just typically like describe personalities using, you know, this antiquated system. But they're different for everybody. So like, you know, uh, somebody who's seen as very aggressive in one culture might not be because they, you know, they're willing to kill people and stuff. Not necessarily in the soldier's culture where that's normal, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think I'm going to go with sanguine because I am of the sea. Okay. The the stats really quick. Uh, hard is your combat shooting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, keen is your defensive one. It's what you use to evade. It's what you use to lie. Uh, calm is the one that you use when things go wrong. Uh, and it's also the one of rational argument. Uh, negotiating that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're falling out of the sky or if you're trying to get a pay raise, that's the one. And daring is the one that you bring in to cheat the system. Great. Or to drink. That's the other thing it does. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very important mechanic in this game. Uh, daring determines whether or not the things that you get to do during uh, the downtime phase of this game are the things you want to do or the things I want you to do? Well, I chose uh, Phlegmatic for Ivana, uh, which gives me plus two hard, zero keen, plus two calm, and zero daring. Cool. I also chose Sanguine for Vindel, uh, which is a minus one hard, plus two keen, minus one calm, and plus two daring. All right, and the final thing is, uh, well, the two the two final things are what you start with. We're not do- playing with Flight Masteries today because I just want to get this on with, and I didn't print them. Uh, so we don't have to worry about those. Um, so start with is what you brought with you into the air. Uh, there's not a lot of room in an airplane, so you have to choose carefully. And for the love of God, don't choose another person. Those are on the list for a reason, mm-hmm. but it ha- means I have to redesign your fucking planes. <laughs> <laughs> That or you have a cargo plane. I mean, we could do that. I mean, that's fine. 
just don't we'll fly just, at we'll anyone. Just have a huge party of hirelings. Yeah, I mean, eventually that everybody's every campaign ends with you having like twenty five to thirty people. Oh wow! Like b- attending to you because uh, you're like a, you become a sky pirate. Is yeah, exactly. What I'm hearing. That's yeah, yeah. great. When it starts out, you were literally like some people who met in a bar after having fled their homes and being like, "We have a plane and we need to make money to live." And then at the end of it, like there's destiny moves on most of the sheets. I think I left them off for the Fisher. And the destiny moves are like, we're not getting to them because it's for long campaigns, but they're like what you take after you've taken basically every other one of your moves and you want to like solidify your image. So it's like the soldiers has one that's like, everybody recognizes your plane when they see it. And when you go into battle against like human foes, one out of six of them, or one out of ten, whatever, just decide, nope, fuck it, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> Not dying today. It's so good. Uh, my favorite of all of the Destiny moves is the Survivor, the masked character, gets a, a Destiny move called the Green Place, which gives them a beautiful wilderness like space to go to and meditate. Uh, and, and it's very powerful for them because they tend to take a lot of stress, and they can just go there and everything will be okay unless someone dies there which will despoil it so wow yeah they really uh they want to protect it yeah exactly very nice so um what is everybody starting with what is everyone bringing on their adventure well i'm gonna split the difference between two of these because i really really like both of them oh uh, you, you start with three. Oh, you start with three. Oh, yeah. great again you are exemplary examples well, of well your... i'm i'm definitely going to be combining one of them into uh or two of them into one thing because there is ritual tattoos recording your life and faith and a holy book bound in leather written in blood uh, I kind of think uh, that in my culture, all pilots, all people who who uh, are flying tattoo their life story on their back. And if you don't get shot down, if you don't uh, die in a plane crash, uh, when you die, your uh, back is cut off and dried and put into the family Bible because obviously your life had lessons in it that will help uh, the rest of your family live when they're flying. Oh my God. So I have like... Uh, grandfathers and mothers and and everything uh, across oh the spectrum God. just like bound into the end of our standard Bible. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, also, the one that starts with a little black dot there, mm-hmm. you have that one already. So what's that one? Oh, uh, that is Blessings of the Sea. Gills on your neck, uh, skin chilled to the touch, blue blood until spilled. Ooh, I like that. Uh. And, uh, God, there's so much cool stuff. I, I think I'm going to go with a ritual fillet knife. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rob, do you have uh, starting items? Uh, yeah. I think Vindal was pretty straightforward. Uh, he brought with him a pair of fine binoculars. He's uh, pro- pretty much above all else a scout. He's always looking for... Always looking for land, but sees many other things. He brought with him a packet of seeds from the family farm. Very important. And, of course, a promise to return home safe to my mother. That's the sweetest. I know. Uh, The abstract ones are some of my favorite. All right, so what are you starting with? Uh, I'm starting with a lovingly maintained automatic pistol. Um, It is, it kind of looks like, um, like a Luger. Nice. And on the side is engraved uh, the name Geneva. 
Uh, an impeccable dress uniform. Never seems to get cut or damaged. What color is it? Um, it's in uh, reds and blacks, and there's a short cape. Nice. And a box of stick bombs. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot of guns on my plane, so I have to compensate. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's somebody on the ground who's annoyed you, you just drop them out the side. Yep. All right, cool. And the last thing you do is you pick your moves. Oh, wait, no. First, trust. Okay. So everybody's got some questions for trust, and it's how we determine who trusts each other and who doesn't. This is a binary state. It's like history in Powered by the Apocalypse games. But it, trust is, if you trust somebody, you would die for them. If you don't trust them, they're scum. And you go back and forth on this very quickly because pilots are fickle people. So which of you showed me your professionalism in our first meeting? I mean, you two are scum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if the way that I behave uh, would read as professional from a military culture. I, I just don't think so. No. Yeah, I feel the same here. I'm kind of the uh, out of nowhere All right. seat of my pants. All right. And you don't have to worry about the second question. I think we've got a pretty good established... I'm going to read it anyways. Uh, which of you took charge in our first crisis, or did I have to step up? <laughs> Based on our comm scores? Ooh, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I kept a clear head in crisis. Oh, no. You're a fisher with low comm? That's... Well, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, my God. No, you're the, you're the two weird kids I adopted, so mm -hmm. you wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect. All right, perfect. All right, so you don't trust either of these idiots. <laughs> now nah, I want to, like, I don't know, hammer them into shape. Yeah. All right, so, uh, Rob, your trust questions? Uh, you can trust somebody who thinks you're scum. Like, that's totally normal. <laughs> this is pretty perfect, I think. Which of you judged me harshly for my inexperience or naivete? Oh, yeah, that's me. That's, <laughs> that's Ivana, 100%. And how did you attempt to intimidate me? I don't think Ivana attempts to intimidate anyone. Um, you know, she's tall and she stands straight and she's just like a really intense person in everything she does. So mostly by staring you down until you coward. That sounds right. <laughs> Mine is look to each character. Decide if your gods would recognize them. Trust those they would. Well, I mean, we've got a daring and, and brave soldier uh, who who was who is like scarred and like clearly decorated. So I feel like our gods definitely would recognize you. And we've got a little flying fish over here uh, who's no experience in the world. I so I feel again, there are so many arms on my gods because the more ways to embrace. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so I think I think the gods recognize both of them, and I trust both of them. All right, so the next page is your moves. So you just pick your moves, and we're done. This is a rather long character creation powered by the Apocalypse game, I know. Yeah, um, it's fine. The, the only reason it seems long is because it's laid out differently. Yeah, well, because it's not done yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the way I'm going to lay them out eventually is everybody's going to have a, the same layout in terms of where things are, but a unique aesthetic for each one. Mm. So oh, the, like the soldiers will look like military paperwork. I... Uh, the fisher will look like it's written in blood on human skin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, dope, the, dope, dope. the survivor is like, uh, the edges are burned and frayed and and, and stained and it looks like it's been scrawled down in a journal or something I love it so for the personal moves the ones with the black dots we get automatically, automatically. Yeah. and then how many do we choose three including the dot or beyond the dot beyond the dot all right 
So the dot is, and I mean, you got two dot moves. Uh, mm-hmm. The dot is um, your your core move. One of the things about this game is it's actually a game about teaching each other your culture, uh, as well as flying planes. So everybody eventually can end up taking other people's moves, providing you trust one another. So you slowly like leech stuff off of one another until you have created a new culture of flying that is unique to you guys. The Fisher has all the fun uh, personal moves because they're a wizard. These all <laughs> these all rule. How many do I? Three. I get three? And there's more. So, oh my god. <laughs> my cup runneth over with blood. <laughs> so, the fisher blood. the fisher gets all these these moves that are just like magic basically. Um idea motor response is like my absolute favorite. You have a ghost in your plane. Um the 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 farmer gets all these moves that let, like use the force Luke kind of stuff. Like one of them is just you hit the shot no matter what it is, just once. Um and then the soldiers' moves are all, like, tactical planning moves. They have one of their moves is, like, if you get the... Dr- I don't know if it's on this sheet, but it's just... If you get the drop on somebody who is attempting to attack you, you just kill them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's when you catch a foe flat-footed on the ground, you do not have to roll to kill them right then and there. You do, you do have to roll to do anything else. Yeah. I, it's called last mistake. Yeah. <laughs> the other one that's really good is the one where you, uh, if you point a gun at somebody while negotiating with them, you get a plus one. But if you miss, you always pull the trigger. <laughs> I love those kind of moves. I thought about it. Um, yeah, I'm ready. Cool. Um, so I have stiff upper lip. You can't get real unless you have four plus stress. So basically that means that uh, you don't have emotional conversations with people. That's fair. <laughs> I have steel heart. Ignore the first injury you would take in a given session. I have last mistake. We've already discussed it. And commanding presence. When you bark an order at anyone, others are at plus one if they follow it. If they disobey, I take stress. NPCs are compelled to listen, if not to obey. Nice. All right, well, the uh, one you mentioned, Erica, sounded good to me, so I took Bullseye. Once per session, automatically score a 10-plus to open fire. That would be a 16-plus. Ah, uh, yes. Because <laughs> this is 2d6. It's... haven't moved everything up from d6s yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got took Barnstormer. When you put on a show for people on the ground and make it fancy and dangerous... Take plus one ongoing this routine when you interact with them. And breeze in your hair. When you fly without fighting, remove three stress. Okay, and for me, I picked deep ones. Uh, When you call out to your patrons loudly without hesitation, take one forward. Soulbound, when you paint a rune in blood on an aircraft, you are linked. While in fight, you can take incoming structure damage as stress. Uh, one to one, you can take a hit that would strike a component or, or as an injury or give incoming injuries to your engine. And I chose forbidden word. When you speak the name of your patrons, you and everyone who hears it rolls calm, which can give various uh, good or bad effects to everyone around me. The, the Fisher moves are just wonderful. Yes. <laughs> oh, and you also have um, you have a pre-selected move as well the oh um, yes yes my, yeah, so I, i've got two pre-selected yes. moves i have creepy uh when a comrade sees you perform a ritual overhears your prayers or sees signs of your alienness they lose trust in you if they wish to learn one of your moves they must start with understand 
uh, with understand, yeah. And uh, understanding, uh, you are not affected by the creepy move. I also have a pre-selected move, naive. Oh, yes. The first time a stress trigger happens, take double stress for it. Uh-oh. Shut them off as you go. Yeah, because you have no idea. That's right. So uh, one of the advantages you do have as the farmer, though, is you have a lot less stress triggers than everybody else. So the first time you, the first couple times you go up, it's going to be bad. And then after that, you'll be cool. So we, we start our scene with this beautiful mountain vista, sort of picture of the Alps, but bigger. Uh, the sun is just uh, sort of climbing up. It's dawn, uh, and it's illuminating uh, four little airplanes that are puttering along this mountain valley. It's, you know, there's their evergreens below there, you know, the thick, dark forest beneath a river flows through it's, there's a beautiful waterfall right next to the camera. And then we zoom in on the airplanes. So the four of them are the three of you and the plane that you're escorting, which is a little two winged biplane that is puttering along as fast as it can go, which is not very fast spewing black smoke out the back of it. Why doesn't everybody describe the planes escorting this poor little mail carrier? All right. Uh, so my plane is this large, I'd say, dark blue biplane with two long tails. Its twin engines have this deep, dark hum that echoes across the mountainside. Uh, if you've heard any of those recordings of the bleep or the bloop from the deep oceans calling from the Mariana Trench, I imagine it's a lot like that. There is a large, intimidating-looking uh, laser gun affixed to the front. I'm going to say it looks like the nose of a sawtooth shark. So it's got all these like protrusions. And I think because this is a twin tail biplane, between those twin tails, there are these kind of ceremonial hangings that when the wind catches them, they flow rhythmically. They look like tentacles hanging off the back of this. So this plane, like if you are have never seen a plane, and I think in this world is very, very uncommon, but you're on the ground, it almost looks like this plane is a large lumbering beast propelled itself through the sky through these graceful tendrils coming out the back of it oh that's beautiful all right uh there's a plane in the back circling the damaged mail carrier doing it effortlessly and it's mostly this dark gray color similar to what you would see in like a storm cloud with these blood red highlights on the side and on the wings um it looks fairly simple otherwise. There's no, like, unostentatious uh, banners on it or anything. It's just this dark, tiny, kind of intimidating plane. And when uh, whenever it goes through a cloud, you stop seeing it for a minute until you just see the highlights. What does the engine sound like? Because this is a big one, isn't it? Uh, is it a rotary engine? No, it's, a, it's an inline. Oh, wait, no, wait. I think somebody got messed up. Oh, I have the wrong engine. No, no, you're good. No? You're good. So you're flying a weird one. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, flip your, your sheet over really quick. Yeah. Because uh, your plane looks bizarre. Oh, oh it's a triplane. So <laughs> it's a Farman Pusher triplane. So your your engine is attached like a kite to the back of it on a pair of like struts. Oh, that's awesome. And then um, your propeller faces backwards. 
Oh, that's super cool. Um, yeah, so I think like the front and sides of the wings are highlighted in red. The rest is all dark gray. And um, it's kind of the same pattern for that kite in the back. So uh, the surfaces are dark gray and the edges are highlighted. So your rotary engine, it's a, it's a way of getting really high-powered engines without them overheating. Mm-hmm. They're bolted backwards to the plane, so the engine spins with the propeller. They usually make a sound like a buzz saw. Yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> like, it's really high-pitched and kind of horrifying. Like, grating in the worst way. I Yeah, I like the way that our planes must sound in concert. <laughs> it's just horrifying. Low yeah, and high-end. A, a group of monsters just flying around. Well, what's the last monster in this group? <laughs> Probably the least monstrous among you. But, uh, yes, the third plane in this... Uh, and this escort team is uh it's a two-wing biplane it's got a much sleeker design than uh the old crop dusters i used to use on the farm it's got a nose mounted prop nose mounted prop and surprising amount of armament is bolted onto the side of it but uh for the for the size of the plane but it's done in uh some nice subtle earth tones probably toward the brown side along the bottom but as the gradient of the paint job rises to the top it goes to a nice kind of earthy purple and there is of course a piece of turnip nose art yes yes prominent on the front oh okay i have to know about this turnip nose art is it like those turnips that look like they have legs so is it like playing off the classic sort of cheesecake nose art but it's a turnip <laughs> or, yeah. or is it like a uh, reclining yeah. bag with one arm behind its head i'm picturing the little turnip with a face from like super mario brothers 2 <laughs> yeah that's also what i was thinking of and uh along the flaps along each flap on the rear on the rear assembly uh the on the port side it says eat your and then the right flap says vegetables. That's so good. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, I'd like to take a second to um, say that Rob is color coordinated with his plane. <laughs> yes, he is. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm bringing my method and, role playing. Yeah. And uh, James's sweater is also oh, on theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Cool. So uh, as you're climbing through this valley, the planes making these various horrible noises together, uh, echoing off the, the sides of the valley, you see in the distance, in the far distance, there's an observation balloon that is hanging, which marks the next stop in your path. You're almost home. You're almost to your objective. When you start hearing another sound over the cacophony of engines, the cough of you're in line, the buzzsaw-like sound, and this horrible, low drone. <laughs> you, you start hearing a third sound zip overhead, uh, the Doppler effect, you know, having... And everybody starts glancing up to see that there are three more planes, little monoplanes overhead, and they're banking and tracking you and beginning to dive. Pilots are extremely good at hand signals, so anything you want to communicate, you can communicate to one another, but pilot sign language lacks nuance. So basically, it's really good at telling people there's someone in the cloud, something's wrong with my engine, I'm running out of fuel, we should go over there. And it's very bad at telling people exactly why you're doing the things you're doing. So, yeah. Uh, 
Um, well, I, I think if there's a chance that I heard this at all and like see these planes squaring up to track us, I flip a switch which disconnects uh, some like ceremonial streamers and cables that I have along the wings. So now all of my plane looks like it's got uh, it's trailing these tentacles. Oh, God, combat and that's, mode. Yeah, that's, our, so that's our intimidation <laughs> tactic from the village. Oh, that is awesome. It also makes it a lot harder to track my silhouette in the sky. Fuck, that's so nice. cool. Uh, can we? Uh, can I see any uh, recognizable insignias on those planes? Mm. Um, you, you scan over them and you see that instead of insignias, they have a long red stripe running mm-hmm. on the inside of each wing. They're kind of yellowish planes and usually that means that they're covering up an like when somebody paints something like that onto a plane or a big square or something it usually means they're covering up an insignia that no longer applies i probably do the same thing so that's fair (laughs) but it's usually it's a good sign that a plane is stolen oh fair enough yeah uh yeah i'm actually going to slang that to uh the rest of the crew um stolen plane be alert cool so they are they are they are coasting down towards you. They're not moving super fast, but I mean, nothing does in these planes. These planes go like 150 kilometers an hour. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's fast on the highway and really slow in the air. So um, they are, but they are moving down towards the little male plane. All right. Vindal naturally slots himself into a kind of spotter role. So upon, upon seeing these other planes approach, he sort of breaks off. A little bit and tries to get a little a little altitude right. on these people. So let's set up our our uh, airspeed and altitude real quick. Okay. So we're all the mail plane is at altitude. Let's say altitude eight, uh, and all of you are going the same speed as it, which is seven. Uh, all right. Cool. So um, yeah. So now if you want to make your your moves to start affecting this and to start getting into position or to so yeah, you're you're climbing up for a spotter's roll. Yes. Cool. So let's do a climb real quick, and that's really simple. Uh, you, this is a, a slow climb, so all you have to do is just move up as many, uh, like one altitude, I believe. Or you can do two or three. You, uh, you're pretty fast. Are so, they higher than us already? Yeah, they're, they're, they're like five or six altitude bands, uh, which is like a hundred, a hundred meters each. Unbelievable. And here they come. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so. Which is fine. Okay. So I will speed up. Let's get your engine going. This is really easy. Right. Roll your error, which is uh, four. So roll 40, 10. Ooh. And let's see if your engine breaks when you ask it to do something, because these are early and crappy planes. Any ones? No ones. Cool. So your plane accelerates to your top speed. Move yourself up to your thrust. Uh, so your thrust value is 13. 13. Yeah, so you book it. All right. And then you climb up, up 13, 2. So move up two altitude bands. So you're, nice. at, you're at 10 now. Uh, you were oh, at we, 8. Oh, we were yeah. at 8? Okay, gotcha. Cool. Yeah, it takes a second to get used to, and then it starts going fast. <laughs> trust me, trust me, it's good. <laughs> it's not broken. <laughs> um, okay, so that's what you're doing. What are you doing? Um, I'm not going to accelerate. I just want to put them in my sight and make it really obvious um so like point do you want to point your nose at them and start like climbing towards them or something like that i think i'm going to slow down a bit to make sure that i can like get behind them and comfortably point at them i don't think you have to lose any speed to do that okay cool yeah you just you just you know wave in the air a little bit and get behind the yeah but i make it like really really obvious yeah 
All right, so James, what are you doing? Uh, I think I'm going to maneuver myself. Like, if they're coming from a higher altitude, I'm going to maneuver myself above this mail plane um, so that it will make it difficult for them to take shots at it, and I'm going to try and line up a shot myself. Cool. So let's do the same thing Rob did. So roll 2d10 for each of your engines. Okay. Uh, Any ones will result in some uh, engine troubles. Uh, uh, is this symbol a one? That is a one, yeah. Dang! Sorry. Yeah, so it's fine. Your engine just, one of your engines, Spoke the noises you. drops like even lower. <laughs> 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 and you, you start rising up. So uh, your top speed here, your thrust is 16. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about your plane, it will start breaking if you go its top speed. Mm. So let's move you up to one below that. And then you can rise up. Uh, What's your, so you're at 10 as well. So the two of you are are escorting each other or next to one another as the planes come in towards the mail plane they see that they've basically been placed at a disadvantage if they come in for the plane it's going to go badly for them but they were already committed to the dive so they start uh two of them continue towards the mail plane and one of them tries to turn inward to attack lexi um so that one starts coming in for you and two others are coming from the mail plane what do you and here they are, diving in. <laughs> God, the timing Top is so speed. perfect every time. <laughs> so what do you do? Ivana's going to shoot a couple of warning shots to the two planes that are diving. Cool. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried yet about uh, the plane coming in for me. I can probably evade it. But uh, I, I want to make our intentions clear. Cool. So I don't think you have to roll for that one. You fire a burst of tracers over the mail plane. Yeah. And the uh, the mail plane moves a little bit, um, <laughs> frightened. And the uh, one of the, the planes that are attacking breaks off and starts to, to twirl away. But the last one's still coming in hard. And then overhead, you see the final one that is curving in towards you. Almost finished its dive right on top of you. So what do the other two of you do? Um, I want to try and take a shot at this fool as they're coming in. The um, which one? The one going for the mail plane? The, yeah, the one, the one uh, like still diving in towards the mail plane. Cool. So you're gonna have you're getting a shot is pretty difficult in this. So we're gonna get a dogfight going. Great. So the way that this works is uh first, how do you want to be? How would you like to come in to attack this? Do you want to get behind him? Do you want to just attack him as he flies by like a snapshot? So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna have to be a snapshot. What what I'm doing because like I've sort of made this aggressive action to cover the mail plane. Um, I kind of want to flare back and take this shot as they're swooping in. Okay, so this is perfect. We're gonna have you roll open fire, but we're gonna have you do it with daring instead of your regular stat, which is always available every time you do something crazy. You roll daring instead. Uh, good because that's what I'm good at. <laughs> and the results will either be you either do it perfectly or your plane starts breaking. All right. So, um, basically, if you hit it all, you'll hit. So roll. Uh, plus daring and plus your handling. So add those together. So it's going to be flat for you. Okay. So as a D10 game, uh, 11 to 15 is your partials. 16 plus is your full successes. Gotcha. So that is, looks like 11. Cool. So uh, do me a favor and uh, damage your other engine one for me. So your other engine starts making some horrible noises as you you force your plane to, to snap up for this shot. Oh no. But then... Let's do some damage to people. So uh, your laser gun thing does three hits, your heat ray. Mm-hmm. So roll me 3d20. 
three d twenty. Oh my goodness. Yep. So that's going to determine where you hit the other, the incoming. Point. Okay, I have a six, a thirteen, and a nineteen. Cool. So as this this little plane comes in, you you fire your laser across it, and uh, you get a bunch of uh, the. I, this is like a beam. It's not like a pew pew. So like this beam just cuts across this thing and leaves a trail of fire behind it. Uh, across one wing, which bursts into flames, Ooh. and across the front where the machine gun is, and just slices it in half. So the front of the machine gun falls off this plane. We don't have to worry about one of them. <laughs> uh, That's great. It, it spirals away, trying to put out the, the smoking, smoldering fire of the canvas on its wing. Uh, so the other, the other plane has disappeared. Anything you're not directly paying attention to goes away, and you have to find it again. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, well, definitely letting out a whoop <laughs> as, uh, as for Zlieg taking care of business. Uh, I'm going to try to find the one that peeled off after Ivana went up, went for it. Cool. So roll me 2d10 plus your keen. This is an eyeball roll. This is what you use to find things. All right. That is a 15. So, uh, 15? Yes. Cool. So, uh... Where has my opponent gone is your question. So yeah, you see you see them. Uh, they're climbing back up on the other side of the mail plane, trying to come around to attack it from the front. All right. I So my my eventual intention is to get into you it, could, you chase wanna, its tail. You want to start chasing it? Yeah. All right, cool. So you're a little higher than it right now, so you can dive towards it, pick up some speed, and get on its tail. So let's do that. Uh, if I am going at max speed, is that dangerous for me? Uh, your max speed is your strain. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so this is beyond my engine speed. Yeah, because you're diving. My... So, Perfect. what you're going to want to do is uh, it's at altitude seven. It dove below the mail plane. So, move your altitude down three, increase your speed by three. Now, sp- speed is a resource in this game. You can spend it after you roll for a plus one on your moves. So, roll me 2d10 to get behind them. Use your best stat. I will use daring. Cool. So. That is a 15. Plus two. So uh, you turned into this. You, you have to. So re- reduce your speed by one. And you can spend another speed to make this a perfect success. I would like to do that. Go for it. All right, cool. So you you lock on behind it, and you're chasing it perfectly as it arcs towards the mail plane. You are in the perfect spot you want to be. Hey, Lexi. Yeah. That other plane that's diving for you, uh-huh. it's going to take a shot at you. Okay. What do you do? Uh, I slow down. <laughs> You just slow down to dodge? Yeah. Uh, so the idea is I want to slow down and then get back behind it. Cool. So uh, you can always slow down in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so re- reduce your speed. Cool. Oh, actually, don't do it yet. Roll evade, and we'll see how much you have to reduce your speed by. Fantastic. Uh, what do I add to this? Um, you add your keen and your plane's handling, which okay. is plus three. Yep. Oh, heck yeah. This is going to be great. Uh, uh, I got twenty-two. Wow! The camera goes to the pilot's face, which you can't see, but their eyes under the goggles just roll exaggeratedly at this amateur diving towards Ivana, as she just effortlessly, you know, slows down her plane, dodges out of the way, and sets herself behind the other plane. Okay, so that's perfect. Actually, you get to choose uh, three of. Take less hits, take another fewer hit, take one less damage per hit, uh, or uh, get onto the tail of the enemy plane. So that's one of them. So uh, what's your other two? 
Take less hits, take uh, less damage. Yeah, yeah, both. One of each. One of each? Cool. Yeah. So let me roll. This is unlike most Power by the Apocalypse game. The GM rolls. In. <laughs> uh, oh. oh. Yeah, so that's. Um, what's at your one and six on your hit chart? Nothing. Cool. Yeah. There's so absence. It's a tiny plane. That's nice. actually in front of your nose, so this works perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's and it dives past you. Yep. And you're on it like a shot. Cool. So, um, hey James, mm -hmm. you're chasing somebody, aren't you? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, what are you? This lumbering behemoth. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it is a a uh, it's kind of a slow like it's a it's one of those police chases <laughs> with somebody on a bicycle or something, but um. What do you want to do to this plane you're chasing? Um, so it, this isn't... Is this the one that I hit earlier? Nope, this is the, another one. Okay, this is, a, it, this is a new one. So we're behind one. This is... Is this the one that was running away? No, this is coming back around towards the mail plane. Okay, well... Yeah. Uh, Don't worry about space too much. I, I'm just trying to determine if it would be possible uh, for me to intimidate any of these planes away. I don't know at what point they cut their losses. Um... So I think I'm probably going to have to hit another one before they decide that this is over. So I got to line up another shot. Cool. So. Go for it. Open fire. All right. Um, I'm just going to, and as you do this, you're turning into the shot. Yeah. Um, and if they're moving like back towards us, I think I'm going to like steer into them to like almost be running for a head-to-head -head collision oh. because oh, I am trying I to... I have head-to-head -head collision yeah, well, so... I, I, I'm <laughs> trying to psych these uh, folks out, so... Cool. I, like... Now, as a... Your weapon is rapid fire, so one of the options you have, if you want to burn your battery out a little bit and wait for it to recharge, you can rapid fire this thing. Ooh. What, what does rapid fire do for me? It means you get to pick another of the 16-plus effects, even if you only get a partial or a miss. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to rapid fire for sure. Hey, that is much better than my last roll. Uh, that is going to be 15. 15, cool. So the other thing that's going to happen is you will take fire from the enemy weapons mm -hmm. flying head on. So 15 is awesome. You can reduce your speed by one more and make it perfect. Yeah, absolutely I will. So uh, choose for me, choose two of these. Inflict plus one hit per weapon. Inflict plus one damage per hit. Uh, shift your hit locations to make sure you hit something important. Uh, force the enemy to swerve, spin, or lose altitude, or avoid return fire. And I get to choose how many of those? Two. Okay, I'm definitely going to uh, hit an important location, and I am going to try and make them swerve to avoid uh, more fire. Cool, so what do you want to hit? Um, I want to hit their guns, if possible. Cool, you just slice the guns right off them. Yep, I feel like that's my strategy now. All right, so I'm going to roll real quick the incoming shots on you so what's it two 13 uh, and eight for two you? blessedly is nothing cool 13 uh, uh my flip <laughs> flip i i wrote these quickly in a hotel lobby <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna have to push against you erica it does say flip so that's yeah, you, an important <laughs> part of my plan <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 flip is the the thing that releases your your tentacle oh, did you trails. say eight <laughs> yes uh eight is my pilot. Oh, oh no! But I do have two armor for this. Oh, that's per so. Yeah, you. It dings off the front of your your armored cockpit. Oh man, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that was worth it or not. <laughs> See a couple of shots sparking off, like right, so an inch away from your face. Roll your shots. Yolthuga be praised. Um, you do take some structure damage though. Um, that's really easy. You just take uh two or. 
Two, four. two structure damage? Four. four structure damage. So just reduce your structure by four. All right. That, that also reduces my strain. Mm-hmm. Same. Okay. So I am down to two. I should actually probably just make it reduce your strain straight up. That'd be easier to track. One thing is always easier to track than two things. Exactly. Um, uh, so one probably hits nothing. Yep. But uh, 18 and 12. So you are shifting these by three towards... Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, so the one still doesn't hit anything. The 12 uh, would hit nothing, but one, two, three, uh, still hits nothing. <laughs> mm. it, it hits their plane, but it doesn't hit anything important. And the uh, 18... Yes. Hits the wing. So yeah, you didn't you didn't hit anything important, but it is a canvas plane you're shooting a laser beam at. Oh, uh, that's true. So that that probably catches fire so, to yeah, the wing. Yeah, the, the plane catches a considerable degree on fire as the laser just cuts right through like the shoulder of the wing and into the the hull, and just this huge fireball erupts off the side of it, and it starts it dives immediately to try to put the fire out. So uh. Rob, Lexi. Can I do something super quick? Yes. Uh, so I see that Vendel is lining up for a shot on um, the plane that you were pursuing. And I sign at him very quickly, take the shot, but keep your cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you're... I, I definitely got the first part. Not not quite sure I got the second part, but we'll see. So you're, you're, you're approaching uh, your target, huh? Yeah, this is a very exciting time for Wendell. All right, take your shot. All right, I would like to uh, unload my machine gun and send some regards from Offalvald. Cool. Uh, so two d ten. All right. You're playing. Kind of that is a seven. You can reduce your speed by a whole lot to make this hit. What's a partial? Uh, partial for this is um, you just hit them. No, I mean the number. Uh, an for... eleven. So. So I, if I reduce by four. Yeah. All right, I will do that. Cool. So we can imagine this as like you twisting and turning behind them to line up the perfect shot and like burning a lot of speed as you do that, right? So that's basically the idea behind mm-hmm. this this whole thing. When you spend speed, describe cool things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a like I have I was lined up so perfectly behind behind this person, but uh they're aware of this too. So they start yeah. with the evasive moves and I'm tracking them and I think it's a really nice like yeah. The, Two corkscrews. There's a word for that in airplanes. It's called scissoring. Ah, excellent. <laughs> that is not a joke. <laughs> it's nice to know you have, you know, things in common with airplanes. <laughs> All right, so roll them. All Those right. Those are your hit locations. A seven and a 19. Cool. So the 19 misses and the seven hits their engine. So... Smoke starts pouring out of the engine as you fire past it and into it. And um, the plane starts making like a horrible like knocking noise every you know few seconds as a piston is loose in the engine and it's just whacking against the wall. So um, yeah, it's it's smoking and not looking super good and it's looking to disengage. It starts going one wing over and trying to get away. You guys aren't sure where that last plane, the one that James cut the gun mm-hmm. off of is, and the one that is on fire blows up, just turns into this fi- like huge fireball and streaks into the river below. Shame. I signed to Ivana. Cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, 
Uh, you got a kill, so tally it somewhere. That's important. That's how you become an ace. Oh. Where, uh, is there a place in the no, sheet? No, not yet. Good reminder, thank you. <laughs> this thing keeps getting denser and denser. <laughs> um, though, actually, I think it's very appropriate that you just scratch it into the wood of the dashboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vindal kisses his fingertips and touches his photo of Jürgen. Cool. So um, a plane going off with a smoking engine isn't quite a kill, but that's a good job. Uh, are you going to chase after it for the glory, or are you going to let him go? I'll chase after it. For the glory! For the glory. I had a fleeting thought of maybe I should check with Ivana first. Ivana tries nah. to call you out on <laughs> That's it. That's not keeping your cool. That's not. <laughs> All right, cool. Fight's so, over. Focus on the mission. Let's let's roll another attack, and let's have you roll daring, because you're you're going out of your way to do something you weren't instructed to do. I, I'm taking stress for this, because it was me barking order and it being ignored. Oh, wonderful. Nice. Yeah, when we land, all the stress triggers happen all at once. We don't worry about stress until we hit the ground, and then we have to look back on the mission and go, oh my god, what did we do? How did we survive this? Yeah. All right, with Daring, I got a 13 altogether. Cool. Uh, So that is a partial success. So I'm going to say you damage your plane a little bit. All right. You take some structure damage. We're not going to worry about it because the mission's over. Okay. Um... Uh, and yeah, you get a partial success. So roll, roll uh, two more attacks. Actually, do you want to? Uh, I keep forgetting to ask because this is a new group. But let's let's have you roll a, another one for uh, holding the trigger down. Oh, absolutely! I'm emptying the emptying the magazine or the belt. Yeah, whatever's happening in this gun. Uh, I think on yours it's a belt. Yeah. Okay, I got a seven, a nine, and an eighteen. So the eighteen misses. Uh, the nine hits through the hull and the seven hits the engine again ah, perfect. so the engine like just stops and the plane starts gliding slowly down into the wilderness the guy who caught fire was probably better off <laughs> <laughs> and uh you have successfully protected the mail plane and you can start coming in towards the town well heroes that's it for one shot this week but don't worry we'll be back next week with more flying circus in the meantime be sure to join us this wednesday for a woman with hollow eyes that'll be up 7 30 p.m central time on one shots twitch stream twitch.tv slash one shot rpg if you're looking for great podcasts in the meantime be sure to check out modifier modifier is an interview podcast with host megan dornbrock that's changing the game when it comes to changing games designers of every level are invited to discuss what prompted them to hack a game the kind of experiences they seek to create and the types of stories they're hoping to tell you can find modifier wherever you download your podcasts along with the other slate of great one-shot shows at oneshotpodcast.com as always we end our show with a call to action and this week i've just got so much to talk about but the two issues that i really want to focus on are ending gun violence and supporting our transgender service members Now, some of you I know attended the March for Life this weekend, and I think that's amazing. Gun violence is a serious problem in the United States, and our lax laws concerning controlling gun violence is part of that problem. Marching is a fantastic way to demonstrate to legislators how serious this issue is to the American public. And something that will keep that momentum going is calling your representatives and letting them know that it's important to you. 
And while you're at it, I think everyone should take the time to denounce Trump's ban on transgender troops serving in our military. The action the executive branch has taken against the transgender community is hateful and unfounded. If you want to support transgender service members, one of the best ways to start is by calling your representatives and letting them know that you oppose this ban. Calling takes just a few minutes and it can make a big difference on issues like this. If you've never called your representatives before or you have trouble communicating over the phone, one of the best tools you can use is fivecalls.org. It's a site that has issue summaries for issues like this, along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure you get your message across. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest OneShot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod. Or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.